So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. Go. Okay. Oh, sorry. Go. Welcome to Feature Creep. Feature Creep. Colon. Built, built in, in microwave. microwave. Semi-colon. Semi-colon. Uh, designing uh, Dystopia. Woo! Yeah, so this it. is going to be the start of a series of podcast or a series of episodes um, where we are going to talk about how, uh, how one designs a dystopian nightmare, um, what kind of things Perfect. go into it, what elements are important. Um, what does it even mean? What does dystopia even mean? Um, what does it all mean? Why, yeah. Why would you want to have a dystopia? Why would you want to live in one? Um, all of the kind of, you know, there's lots of things to talk about there. Um, so I thought what we would do is we'd start with like a brief overview of um, some of the more famous ones. And we won't go into details about them because I think what what I thought we could do is maybe um, do we'd pick each one and kind of discuss it as either a short or a long episode, depending on how much content there is. Mm, um, okay. So uh, there's there's some like famous dystopian novels, uh, like Aldous Hux- Huxley wrote uh, Brave New World. Um, that was a very famous one. There's some movies, like obviously, um, I imagine people from our generation are very familiar with Clockwork Orange. Yeah, that is a great movie. Yep. Man, is that ever good. I know that I read the book in high school too, but I think I enjoyed the movie better. Yeah. <laughs> which I is mean, pretty unusual. Yeah. The movie just really, I feel like, captures kind of the like the essence of it. Um, there's, you know, probably the most famous one that people know about would be George Orwell's 1984. Yeah. Um, I, like, Fahrenheit 451 is like yep, that's my a, favorite dystopian th- that's novel. That's a good one. Um one of my favorite movies, Brazil. Oh, so amazing. Yes. Um, oh, God, Terry, yes. Terry that, Gilliam. Yeah. That and like the the movie The Visioneers, the one with the, Zach Galifianakis and the exploding people. Yes, exactly. So there, there's a huge body of work, obviously, for us to draw on. And, and you know, this could go on for ages if we wanted to. Um, for sure. So I thought the idea was we would just kind of like uh, start with um, kind of discussing what you know, what does it even mean? Um, so obviously, cool. uh, for those of you who aren't really familiar with dystopia um, as a concept, it's basically anti-utopia um, or the antonym of utopia. And uh, it was coined by Sir Thomas More. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's basically, um, he he kind of wrote this book in 1516 which was um called utopia uh and dystopia is just sort of this blueprint for an ideal society oh sorry utopia is this idea like this blueprint for an ideal society with minimal crime violence and poverty right Right. so this kind of like maximum good for the maximum number of people um Mm -hmm. so a dystopia is obviously you know, by the flip side of that is that you're basically talking about this blueprint for a society that maximizes crime, violence, and poverty. Um, yep. And so, um, <laughs> I I don't know why I thought of this currently. Um, you know, but 
<laughs> I just did something, you know, I thought it'd be interesting because there's not, you know, most people are probably doing pretty great at this point and not having too many troubles with um, their uh, current existence in, in U.S. society. So, no turbulence whatsoever. Right. <laughs> everything is super smooth. Yeah. Um, everything, all the things we grew up being told to depend and expect, uh, they're all still here. Yep. Everybody's got access to all of them for sure. Yep. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so yeah point taken okay um it's interesting because when you study ethics you read a lot about things like utopias or the greatest good for the greatest number of people and you know it's like everybody i think can agree in the abstract with like hey we should just do the thing that's best for everybody but then you quickly go to, well, what if what one person claims is best for them is having everybody worse off? Yeah. Yeah. It's I so <clears throat> or I, I mean, that's just one dumb thing I could think of off the top. Of my yeah. Head. I mean, plenty of other things like. Yeah. Like one of the I, I, I th I've always struggled with this personally, but I imagine that um, the reasoning behind, you know, designing a, a, a good solid dystopia is that you are the one who sits at the top and dictates what everybody else does. <laughs> right. And so <laughs> in that environment, um, then in theory, I'm imagining like what you've done is you've created the most, like you've given yourself the most personal freedom. Um, sure. But I don't, I like to my mind, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, okay. In many ways, like it feels like you've, like all you've really done is thought that, that as long as I'm the most free person, that's all that matters. As opposed to, so for instance, like in my mind, in a perfect utopia, the, the, the lowest man on the totem pole in a utopia is better off than the highest man on the totem pole in a dystopia. Oh, that's interesting. I'd never thought about it like that. Because to my mind, it, it's sort of the pie problem. It's like there are people that feel that they don't care how big the pie is. They just want as much of it as possible. Right. And so they're upset when someone comes along and says, hey, if we all behave, if we all do this thing, then mm -hmm. we can have this pie that is so massive that a tiny 1% sliver of it that is yours is bigger than the whole pie in your other model. Right. But they're like, but that doesn't matter. What's important the to me is that I have more of the pie. I don't want 1% yeah. that is like actually, you know, if we're talking about money or we're talking about like personal wealth, you know, 1% of the massive pie is billions of dollars for, you know, fantastical reference. And right. as opposed to in my dystopia where I have 99% of it and it's only $10,000. I mean, yeah, obviously the value of money is, is thrown away in this particular example. I'm just trying to kind of talk about the idea of like, like I think personal freedoms is a better way to look at it. If you're talking about sort of personal safety and freedom, the lowest person in the totem pole in the in the utopia i i would argue is always better off than the highest person in the dystopia the like the supreme leader because in that in that dystopia you're you max out on the good that's possible in yeah, a dystopia right. and you, so even if you are the holder of all of the good that is possible in a dystopia it's still less good than you would have if you were just being not a shit about it in yeah. a different society. I mean you can think about this in terms of like access to things like healthcare. 
So um, healthcare and all the things, you know, that in a, in a utopia where um, the sort of advancement of healthcare is both encouraged and available and happening and it's available to everybody and lots of information is happening and it's a turnover and people are living better and healthier and longer lives. Um, mm. Whereas if you are the leader of a dystopian world where you have basically crushed the will of the people, then yeah. even though you have the access to the very best healthcare that your society provides, it's not better healthcare than the one that the utopian society p- provides. Right. And so you're limited in what's available to you. You've you've crushed science and all these things. And, um, you know, people might argue it's like, well, if I were a dictator, I'd still, you know, make people like, you know, do the science and stuff. It's just not as good in a very free society where people are free yeah. to promote this and grow. Um, it's better. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we could argue that, you know, um, uh, what's that? North North Korea is a good example of this. You know, it's it like they're Say more about that. Well, I just mean that, um, you know, the leader of North Korea, their their personal freedom and access is still limited. It's not like they can just go sure. anywhere in the world that they want to. And right. they can't, um, you know, their best ac- access to healthcare is limited by what other non dystopian societies are able to provide and are willing to relinquish to them. That's. Um... I had never really thought about, I mean, obviously everything about North Korea is pretty dystopian if you're looking at it from the outside. Yeah. Um, But I had never considered that the, I've never, I had not considered the ratios of how much good you can achieve overall from North Korea to other yeah like things in that way like i had never really considered north korea as a dystopia yeah and i think about too um i think about also if you're the leader of a dystopian world you are um generally your safety is through fear like that other people are afraid of you and that you as long as you maintain control but as soon as you like show weakness you're your personal suffer your per, you know your personal likelihood of survival is go diminishes mm-hmm. because other people are interested in taking everything you have right because we're all fighting over we've created this like artificial like limit and we're all fighting over it yeah um so you know i mean i i think also dystopia or or you know utopia versus dystopia there's obviously that issue of resource um and oftentimes, you know, conflict always happens over resource. And it also happens in the context of like when there are limited resources, it's difficult to. Um, so if you have 100 people, but there's only food for 50 mm-hmm. in a utopian society, it's like we all starve a little bit um, as opposed to a dystopia where it's like a lot of people just die and some people get to live. Um you know, those are that like we get into we get into like the trolley problem a little bit here, right? Like when we're talking about yeah. limited resources and having to make decisions and what's equitable and all of those things. And um Yeah, it's interesting too, because like depending on who like okay, so if we're gonna <clears throat> if we're gonna take other discussions of utopias into consideration yeah. when we're discussing our conception of utopia, there's like all kinds of them. I mean, like <clears throat> like uh 
like Hobbes talked about the state of nature as essentially being the opposite of a utopia because it's literally like every minute of every day is just whatever you have to do to survive to the next minute of that day. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and there's like, no room for progress or stability of any kind. Sure. Um, and so like that, that, that's like a, when you go to a parking lot and it's overcrowded and everybody's like all for themselves, I'm just going to like outrace everybody for the next parking space or like on the freeway when people are dodging into me in, 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 in out of lanes and stuff like that. Yeah. I just, the, the phrase that comes to mind is Hobbesian nightmare, you know? Like, uh huh. Sure. It was just yeah. everybody for themselves or, or like people who used to, like, I don't know that's going to happen this year, but Black Friday sales, like people punching uh, people yes. over a toaster. Right. That's people a Hobbesian being, nightmare. People being trampled to death. Yeah. yeah. And so like, <clears throat> then there's also like the Aristotelian concept of a utopia that Aristotle talked about after um, the conversation was started by Plato and Socrates, you right. know, and like or Socrates and then Plato wrote it down, I should say. Yeah. But like, so there's a, throughout history, there's all these different conceptions of what a utopia would mean. And if you look at like Plato's utopia, it's fucking terrifying because like women and like disabled people and minorities like, uh -huh. don't have any, like they don't even rank as human. There's like subhuman on that scale. And so like any yeah. discussion of utopia, when you say we just excludes a fuck ton of we's. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Like lowercase w we's. Um, <clears throat> and so like in some it's in some sense i'm like i wonder if we should think about this historically from like the philo the philosophical tradition and then on the other hand i'm like maybe not though like how relevant really is it I, just like yeah i i mean i don't know I don't like know. I, I my feeling is that um it's a discussion and to not to not at least bring that up is you know i mean we we can talk about it like there's there's but plenty of I room so yeah yeah but i and see I what you're what saying you're like it doesn't add a lot of value maybe well, what you're saying is exactly true. Like yeah. the utopia is defined by the person who naturally sees himself at the top of it. Right, right. And so <clears throat> I, I was thinking, I was ruminating on that while you were talking and we, since we've been discussing. And yeah. I was like, you know, I in that regard, like there isn't anything supremely attractive about Socrates or Aristotle or anybody else who didn't regard all of humanity as what we consider humanity right right yes and participants in a utopia so yeah i, don't know. I, I had not considered that in that way before like you got me kind of thinking on a tangent there but it's so there's like you know but I've that's and i mean i think that's kind of important because i think that um you know the more we talk about this the more i i'm like there's really not that much difference between uh you know whether you're talking about a utopia or a dystopia um, right and and they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, but I'd almost argue they're almost maybe on the same side. Um, <laughs> I, because there is that kind of issue of like, well, who's included in that? And, uh, like you were talking about, it's like at some point, um, you know, I, like a utopia is, is fine for all the people who are in it. Right. But what, you know what nightmare does it cause for those that aren't like for instance you know if we are uh like a society that eats meat or you know asserts like control over a resource that other beings may want to use whether mm -hmm. we regard them as intelligent or not um you being a cow that's you know destined for slaughter and generally treated as a piece of meat because that's what you are is yeah. is undeniably like bad for the cow um yeah 
Yep. You know, we don't need to get into the discussion of whether like the ethics of that and whether their existence is like more or less valuable. I mean, that's not that's beyond the scope of this. But um, mm-hmm. and I'm not necessarily right. like, you know, I'm not sitting here saying like, you know, you're morally bankrupt for ever eating a cow. My point just being that it's like those are things to consider. Um, yeah. You know, how 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 perfect is that utopia? I personally, I've always right. felt that um, that that that's something that as a society we as like that's what it means to be human is to kind of strive to create a utopian situation at least um to the best of your abilities it doesn't mean that um we are successful but it doesn't mean that it's not a worthy endeavor even if it's theoretically never possible um yeah you know it's one of the reasons that i've tried to kind of be who i am as someone who tries to be aware of what other people are going through and try to be um cognizant of not making other people's lives more miserable um yeah you know i do better or worse at that depending on the day and you know my own ability to perceive my reality and all of those things but um (laughs) uh, yeah anyway so the idea of doing uh so discussing dystopia designing dystopia is i just thought it'd be an interesting way to kind of look at um the way different authors and uh people who've imagined you know basically creators people who've done done work to kind of imagine dystopian um existences mm-hmm. uh the way that they've both portrayed them the way that they like what are some kind of fatal or sorry not fatal fundamental pieces that are in common between different ones um you know lots of them obviously stem from having like tyrannical leaders um uh, people who you know jealously guard and control all of the resources mm-hmm. um lots of them kind of revolve around uh kind of fighting over resources and living in a world like i i always find like the classic sort of dystopian nightmares always involve like the the idea like a society in which might makes right um yeah like authoritarian and violent yes enforcement yeah and i i'm always upset when i meet people that are it's not upset like it deeply disappoints me that i know and meet lots of people who really just firmly believe that might makes right and their their approach to that is that it's like it doesn't matter whether you agree with it it is true um and yeah and so i like I have a lot of issues with that because it's not necessarily true. Like we live in a society that, um, or at least until recently, that was not the case and it, it is and was good. Um, we don't live in a society where might makes right. And it doesn't, it's, it's the same kind of fallacy that I think people get into where it's like, well, if I were the dictator, then like my life would be good. Yes. It sucks for everybody else, but but the reality is it's like you've limited your own existence by doing that, um, by not sort of promoting the welfare of those around you and making sure that everyone kind of comes up to the same level. Like our society is better off that way. We all are. Yeah. As an individual, I'm a better, like my own lot in life is better, like demonstrably better when everyone else around me is has better access to healthcare and education and is a better you know, living a better life for themselves. Well, it's certainly, I mean, taken to its logical conclusion, if you remove, 
uh, it goes without saying, I should say this yeah. first. It goes without saying that you and I don't think on like time uh, on linear uh, progressions of things where on one end is just a more severe or less on the other end, less severe version of the same thing. Right. Like right. we think in a lot more complicated terms than reductive left or right, up yes, or down, sure, yep. right or wrong, whatever. So that said, yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting to me that if you push something far enough, so let's say like you want to say, um, the best, the best scenario, the best society is one in which I am better positioned with more power and am better taken care of and have more security than other people in the same yeah. hierarchy. Right. Right. And you, and you want to hierarchize it. And so this hypothetical person says, obviously the best position to be in is at the top where everybody else is doing worse than me because that's how you win. Right. Yep. Which is like individualistic and says, it, it, I think is very reflective of how we've grown up in this place that we find ourselves in. Right. Right. America, whatever, California, Minnesota, same difference. Yep. And so taken to its logical conclusion, when you consolidate and you win enough that you're the only person winning, somebody's going to show up and chop your head off and take your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, historically that plays out. It's that's the thing that um I I like I wanna be kind of cautious not to be condemning of individuals who play like who find themselves in these different roles because mm-hmm. I I do understand that um worldview is really important and it it hugely dictates like what any individual is doing and so um yeah you know a lot of times people are as good or bad as their options um yes and so and i don't think i'm above that um i'd like to think i am but the reality is is it's like when you're in that moment where you have to make a decision about whether you're going to do something like morally right, but sacrifice a huge amount of your well-being versus mm-hmm. like taking what's yours, so to speak. Cool. Um, yeah. The, the air quotes, yours. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> it, like, I don't necessarily fault people for that. Like, I just think that it's, um, it's, it's, it's what we end up, it's, it's what drives us towards a sort of dystopian nightmare, right? It's like when everybody is just sort of like squabbling and fighting amongst themselves and committing crimes because, um, that they need, to, like any individual who's participating in a crime in that environment. And again, crime in air quotes. If someone else right. is basically committing some level of violence against somebody else in order to acquire something that they need to survive, um, that's understandable. That's a terrible state we find ourselves in. Um, yeah. But I think uh, I think the idea of um, designing a like a dystopia is a pretty interesting problem because it's you know you're kind of talking about on the flip side design, designing a utopia, um, and that's where I think this discussion will be interesting to listeners um, as we kind of go through the different dystopians that we can read about that other people have already created um, both real and imaginary. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Here's like, I'm trying to think of like famous dystopias. Like, yeah. So uh, uh, Jonestown. Jonestown. Yes. Yeah. That's a good, that one. was a pretty good dystopia. Yep. I mean, that was real deliberate. Yep. Like, nobody can say that that worked out accidentally. That worked out pretty much exactly the way that they planned it. 
which is nuts. Yeah. Uh, but like, so that's a dystopia that's really interesting, right? Like, yeah. so far we've chatted about like doing things for personal gain, right? So when yeah. I think of like, when I think of the word dystopia, I'm like Jeff Bezos in America, right? <laughs> and <laughs> right, like yeah. he's kind of like the poster child for um rugged individualism and like uh, let's just also like uh uh prima facie let's accept the fact that currently the only way to achieve a status of billionaire is to do some really horrible shit downstream like right. you cannot amass that much so your ability your wealth is just a measure of what we're willing to let you get away with and the amount of power we're willing to let you have and we measure your power in dollars yep. and in order to amass the amount of dollar power that that man has you can't do it without exploiting people right from really obvious ways in like you know worker protections inside of Amazon warehouses to things that are probably so convoluted. Yeah. I mean, when I think about money on the scale uh, and the and the logistical scale of Amazon, yeah. the only thing that I can think of that comes close to that is like a large international drug trade, for example. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, so there's just and those things become inextricable like like the black market becomes inextricable from daily life if you're talking about a global sphere or, uh, of influence. And so let's there we go there's just no way so then i guess the question for me is like the dis the or the point that's dystopic about that yeah is that we have for some unknown reason all culturally agreed to trade what we perceive as a little benefit like or as a great benefit like oh, i can have toilet paper delivered to my front door it's so worth it to let this fucking guy over here have as much power as he thinks he has right <laughs> right. just so i can get my fucking toilet paper flown in by a drone or whatever so i like that to me the fact that that is the case the yeah. fact that so many people in such large numbers are willing to trade convenience and like minor we're talking like scraping the bottom of the barrel yes. daily conveniences and comfort so yep. that that guy can have the type of comforts and convenience and like power that he has like i mean he's amassed so much power that you can't even give him everything he wants yeah like he could have whatever he wanted and he'd still have power in the form of dollar bills left over like it he has so much wealth it's like impossible to actually apply it right Right. There's nothing. And so yeah. that to me is really dystopian. And again, speaks to your metaphor about the pie. Like, I don't want everyone to have a piece of the pie. And for me to have, like, a, a much better situation in general, right. I want the whole fucking pie. I don't want to let anybody else have the pie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so short-sighted. It's so short-sighted. Yeah. It's very um, short-sighted. Um, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know... Like, I think, but I think it's fundamental to designing a good dystopia. Um, I yeah. think that uh, <clears throat> making sure that everyone is, um, pr like, everyone is competing for smaller pieces of the pie is really fundamental to having a good solid dystopia like i think that's like one of the features okay. that you need to have i'm gonna like i'm gonna make a note of that so we're, yeah. i'm gonna say like tenant number one yes fierce yeah. competition for ever decreasing amounts of stuff yes like resource yeah um i think that's a pretty critical component um i think that 
you i think the might makes right is a is an important i i think it's an important philosophical portion of it because it's one way that you can maintain if you can um because part of the thing about controlling resources that then you can increase your might which makes you more Mm -hmm. right so the more you have of it the more right you are yeah um what do we um go on and so i think like for instance um one could argue that uh that a society that's like in full dystopia would probably never get get off the planet that it's on because you're moving okay. you're moving like it's a race to the bottom right like i think that right. it's it's sort of your um whatever that one individual is like like I think they perceive that they're directing like for instance so you're you've kind of like elevated yourself to master of the humanity like master of humans um mm-hmm. if you live in a sort of medieval in uh medieval times where the greatest technology is maybe steel um you're you're limited by what that technology provides and you're not um able to You've created a society where there's not a lot of free time for people below you, which means that you're probably the most free person to think about anything, which means that you've limited the sort of like computational capacity of, of your, your, your society, your societal existence. You've created this mm-hmm. peak where the best ideas can only come from you. And if you think that you're the only one who would ever think of good ideas, you're wrong. Like good ideas come out of people having free time in order to do art and express themselves and explore in a safe environment. Right. And reiterate. And reiterate and do more and see new good ideas and share them. And when you've created a society where that's not happening, then you can't, you've created a good dystopia because you've, you've basically stagnated any kind of real forward progress. It doesn't matter how much you push other people to do. For instance, like you're like, Hey, I want these people to do this research and like develop something. They may make some progress in that direction, but they're never going to have like new fundamental real novel ideas because they don't have time to do that. They don't right. have time. Yeah, that's to a process sit there and, you can't. Uh... Yeah, like that's something that ha- comes out of, um, you know, like when we talk about like like Greek society and like Roman society, it's like they created these these utopias for certain people, and then that cohort of people were able to, um, they were given the time and freedom in order to develop new interesting technologies. Right. That happened because you know that happened out of that because they were doing that. Um, it doesn't mean that it didn't suck for the rest of the population that was being oppressed or like you said, like the second class citizens. Um, right. But you had a cohort well, of people is... that are, are free to think <clears throat> about these things. Yeah. And this is why I think like fascism, like fascism in 1930s and 40s Germany failed yeah. eventually because if if you have a bucket that's only full of certain ideas and you keep, you know, like throwing money into that bucket is not going to make new ideas come out of it. Throwing violence and death into that bucket is definitely not going to make new ideas out of it. Those things are antithetical to the type of processes and the type of things that come out of those processes that make life better and make things move forward. Right. 
Yeah. I it's one of the reasons I think um the left struggles with the right. Um Yeah. I think because at least in the US, the right is they want a unified their like their best situation is that everyone thinks exactly the way they do. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that most sort of more moderate or liberal people are much more like we want to celebrate that other people experience the world differently and we want to make space for all of that. And so it's yeah. harder to be cohesive when um, like I fundamentally disagree with the person next to me. Um, yeah. Whereas if you're kind of in a sort of fascist society, it's like, no, we all agree on the same thing. These are the rules. This is the way it is. And we're all doing this. And that's the populist idea. And we're all going to be good little Christians or whatever, even though we're not actually doing that. But we've all agreed mm-hmm. that that's the way it is. And so right. we're all rallied against this thing where the left is like, we're not against any of these things. Like, we're mostly just against fascism. <laughs> like you know um anyway so i think a good dystopia also has like an overarching um uh like thought police right it's like you must yeah. think like it goes beyond just what you can say it's like ultimately what you think and feel should be controlled by the state or by the by the the power in be the power in place yeah right yeah, the thought police is like a big deal. Yeah. Thought, once it gets to the thought police level, that's like, I think, um, that's crossing a, a really distinct line where, like you and I have talked about before, that you can't know what's in somebody else's head. And right. so it, any version of a shared reality that we can agree upon has to have some like leave of faith attached to it because right. you just have to take it for granted that when someone says, I understand what you're saying or we are thinking the same thing that that's actually happening because you can't know and you just have to move past that. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like otherwise you get totally stuck. And so, um, like when you start, when you have arrived philosophically at the place where it's even, um, where it's even a part of the conversation to have thought police when your thoughts and actions and implied thoughts are being controlled by other people. Like when you claim to know what's in somebody else's head, you can justify doing anything to them. Yes. Right. Right. Um, And, you know, I mean, it gets... And that's where it just goes off a cliff for me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where um, that's an important part of the like sort of designing a good solid dystopia is that Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) you're you know, it's, I also think that you probably, you know, is a good dystopia one that runs to its logical conclusion, which is like, you know, the end of all humanity, um, mm-hmm. or is, uh, and to be clear, I think kind of to put things in context, I think we're talking about human dystopia, right? Like we're kind of limiting it to the sort of the suffering of humanity. Um, yeah. Cause if we're not, we're already there. Like, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, well, we're already there in a lot of ways, but yeah, I think human, we're not going to even go get into non-human subjects because that just gets too complicated. Yeah. So, um, you know, to kind of, we'll just put scope, it this way yeah. in our dystopia, <clears throat> obviously anyone who is less than human doesn't get regarded as an entity. And so they're just, you know, they're just matter. matter. Yeah. They're use. just resource after that. Um, right. well, but okay. So in a good dystopia, um, human resource is, is exactly that it's a human resource 
Um, okay. Which is upsetting when you think about the fact that they, that we even have something called human resources. Yeah, well, that's like that whole fucking capitalist depersonalization, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> the whole idea of a, a capitalist dystopia is that money is the most important thing and all things are subsequent to money, which includes people. And right, so which is where we are want... because we have human resources already. Right, exactly. That's exactly where I was going with that. Yeah. So like you've got the people who like manage resources like mining and minerals yep. and then you've got people who generate other resources like plastics and like medicines and you've got like other resources like I don't know, air and water and then you've got a bunch of people who translate directly to um the caloric output of labor that they can do and not so much as individuals. And so, like, the fact that we have a human resource department means that we're populating it with people who are by trade sociopaths because it is their job to treat people like less than human. Yes. And I think I would, I think I would make a strong argument. Um, what I would hear someone say who works in human resources that they would say, no, but what we're doing is we're actually making sure that individuals are treated as human. And what I would no, argue that is, is that that's do. not what you're doing. You've already, <laughs> by creating what you're doing, is you're making sure that the current overriding policy about humans, how they are treated is followed. Yeah. You're law right. you're enforcers of that. And as those policies erode, which they already do, we yeah. as humans become more and more like the thing that they were being treated as, which is a resource. Um, right. It's a, it's yeah. And it's, so it's, yeah. So in a good dystopia, humans are resources. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, so we have that already. We've had that for many years now. Um, I think, I think also in dystopia, a good dystopia, you need a common, um, at least, you know, we'll get into this as we start to go through particular people's imaginations of, of, of <laughs> dystopias. But, um, I think a common thread is often, some kind of soporific or some kind of like acceptable form of um reality avoidance yeah what do you call uh it's like a um like a painkiller but more it's more general than that i think soporific is the right word um soporific that makes you like uh i think like opium is a soporific for instance like because it makes you kind of like lazy and dreamy uh, right so it's more about yeah so i'm thinking more about um a dissociative uh op not really yeah not a dissociative um just a more general like something that you use to not repress but to suppress um like a suppressant kind of but so like like are we talking a suppressant like um okay so um, are we talking about? I think what I mean is a self, a self suppresses an individual's yeah, a ability to think independently. Yes. Um, so there's like mind control. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't like the form of it is is irrelevant. The outcome is important, which is that it's a it's a self suppressant, which is that people are self self suppressing. Um, so this is not something that's just like put in the water supply. This is something that people are given the option to take if they want to, and it's up to them to take it. Yeah. So the way that you do that is it's like you, you create it as a, um, as viewed as a, a pleasure. Um, it's better like 
so for instance, it's like, well, you're going to choose, um, like a lot of people who, who have problems with like struggle with alcoholism and stuff, you're going to choose that because your life sucks. And that, oh, that like saying. that, that's, so, you're talking about people self medicate. You're, yeah. you're talking about giving people something that they can use to self medicate because that that's, will buy you time with them to make more. Right. That's approved. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't hinder them from being the resource that you need them to be. But it does. We're talking about ketamine right now, right? Sure. Yeah. Ketamine <laughs> or, um, it's like, yeah, exactly. Everybody younger than us is already like on that train in America. It's called ketamine and it's what they do instead of drinking now. Yeah. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, but this is something that you like make available to people so that they can take it on their own time to make themselves feel better about continuing to exist. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be, and it can be in many forms. So, like, for instance, um, one could argue that, like, uh, social media is that way for us, right? Sure. Or um, television, the opioid of the masses. Yeah, the I don't think that masses. was actually a, the correct quote, but yes. No, but actually, yeah, like you kind of want an yeah. opioid of the masses, right? You want something. Mm-hmm. I think religion was the opioid of the masses. I think that's the. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Isn't that Marx? God, I'm embarrassed that I don't know this. I, I, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, so I, I mean, my feeling is that we can, uh, what we can do in the next sort of segments uh well we'll finish this one up um we'll kind of keep talking but my idea is i think to do a little research and we'll each kind of like come up with some dystopians that we want to talk about like that we're the one that we're or dystopia that we're interested in like hey i read this book or whatever and then we'll tell each other that yeah. and we can take turns <clears throat> um kind of discussing them in the context of uh like w- whether that's a more or less effective dystopia i mean i think that um it's it's very subjective how one would rate it anyway like you are going to have different opinion about what's a bit what's a better dystopia than i am um Mm -hmm. and that's that's part of the fun i think anyway i mean that's that's my like that's basically my idea here yeah um, is to kind of do a series like that yeah i love this idea because then we can um we'll come up with much more interesting things over time than we will just in a single hour yes and we can spin off of this so yeah the um the quotation that I'm thinking of, it's actually from Marx's contribution to the critique of Hegel's philosophy of right. Yes. Which he started writing in 1843, but um, that it was published posthumously. And in that, uh, he says, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of a soulless condition. It is the opium of the people. Gotcha. Um, and like many famous quotes, it's less compelling when you read the whole thing out than it is to just be like television is all being the masses right yeah so yep. yeah but that's you were right about that um i think what is super important about a dystopia is to give people enough crumbs that they become focused on the crumbs and not all of the dumb shit happening around the crumbs yes like yeah you have to be like, look at this little crumb that came off this big thing that if you keep working and delay all of your worldly pleasures and like don't demand too much and like take, you know, look at the distance between you and Jeff Bezos and know that it's crossable. And yes, so, right. But you just can't give up. You, you got to keep collecting those crumbs. You got to keep collecting those crumbs because one of these days it might pay off and it's going to be totally worth it. Yeah. And it totally reminds me of like, you know, I don't remember if we've had the discussion on the podcast yet or not about like the debunked one marshmallow, two marshmallow. I don't know how much we've gone into that, but it's come up quite a lot. Um, 
so I, this like capitalism seems to me or like the situation we find ourselves in in American capitalism yeah. seems to me to be 350 million people being told, hey, just wait for that second marshmallow. You just can't eat that first marshmallow. Don't be mad that you can't eat that first marshmallow. Like you just have to sit on that marshmallow. You don't get to enjoy the entire time that you've got the marshmallow. You don't get right. to enjoy the marshmallow itself. Right. But all of this is because you'll get to have two marshmallows maybe in the future. Right. Right. Exactly. And like people are spending their whole lives like this like yeah. my dad at one point was like still i don't know how my dad votes because i don't talk to my parents about this shit because it's infuriating yeah and you can't frankly I, I like i can't yeah and also any kind of like straightforward conversation we would have about like who we're voting for on a ticket would involve me bringing up a lot of philosophy that they haven't read and so it's kind of unfair um, <laughs> so we just don't talk about it sure so <laughs> but i remember that my dad used to vote just, just like straight republican down the ticket right uh -huh. and yeah at one point in time we had this conversation that i felt so sounded really naive coming from an actual adult uh -huh. my dad uh, and I was an adult too by this time. Yeah. And he was very upset because of this current state of the Republican Party looking nothing like it did, you know, yeah. probably back in like fucking Reagan days when everybody loved. You know why you loved Ronald Reagan, everybody? Because he had Alzheimer's while he was your president. And so he said a lot of dumb shit that sounded really good at the time. Right. That's why you liked him. None of it was true. So um, my dad was like, well, I was, you know, I always paid my dues and did everything I was told to do and I, I I felt like if I did all of that that one day I would be taken care of and I was like where the fuck are what who are we talking about right now like right. what and but it clued me into this and I don't think my dad's alone in this like I think a whole nation of people all of them baby boomers were convinced to be two marshmallow kids and there was no one marshmallow to begin with right there's no fucking marshmallow there are no marshmallows nobody's getting any marshmallows you've been yeah. lied to um there's no marshmallow. So like all of this shit, like all of the happiness that you're foregoing to put in your fucking 40 hours a week at the job that holds the keys to your car, your house and your health insurance. Yep. Like all that work you've been putting in all that time that it's supposedly been cranking into paying something off. You're not going to pay anything off. You're not going to get paid off. You're going to end up with all your money in a 401k from your employer in the stock market, which isn't going to benefit you at all. And you're going to find that like you don't collect anything in the end. And all of the people whose idea this was are going to die in the next 20 years. And we're going to be left with nothing. I, I think we're already kind of realizing we're left with nothing. Um, well, I mean, we get this, but the people who like, yeah. designed this whole fucking system are still counting their checks, you know? Yep. So there's like, there seems to be this idea like, oh, just convince everybody to sell out in the meantime. And then by the time you arrive at when you're supposed to be collecting on all this stuff that you sold out for and like delayed it and worked really hard to make everything great for everybody else in this like promised afterlife of beauty and... You know what makes me mad about like when... I you know, I've had this, I've, I've had, yeah, I've had these discussions with other friends and, and acquaintances yeah. and, um, I always get frustrated because oftentimes the argument is it's like, no, you're wrong. Like I just got a check today or I just got what, you know, whatever they point to that they have. And I'm like, but yeah. you're not, you're missing the point. Like you just picked up that crumb and you're like, but I have a crumb. I'm doing great. See, this crumb is evidence of great things. Yeah. And it's like, no. No, the it's, it's the point. That like, that's the whole point is it's like, you're not, and even now when you're talking, like when we look at the divide, like the, the sort of, um, the wage gap or the fucking, you know, the difference between what, uh, people in power are, are awarded 
for nothing yeah. versus yep. what people who work their whole lives are awarded. The, the gap is so massive now that it's insane. It's just, it's, it's, you can't even, the, yeah. the number difference is so large that you can't even. It's inconceivable. It's inconceivable. It does, it's meaningless. Yeah. Um, and I. This is yeah. why I'm saying like the, like to take that to its extreme. Yeah. The, the Jeff Bezos is like on the top end of that. Yeah. And when you try to think about how much money he makes concurrently like he just made a pile of money oh he just made another pile of money he yeah. just made in, in the in the time it takes me to say this i'm sure he's made more money than i've made in a year ever and and possibly like my whole lifetime like it's right not i mean it's that, it's inconceivable amounts of money it's just money that makes money off of money it's the fake money like yeah. it's 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 not grounded in anything no. it's not based in any real value that you can trade in you can't go somewhere and i mean it's it's so inconceivable. I lack an intelligent way to talk about it outside of the abstract we don't things have a that lot I can of, see in my head. You know, yeah, I mean? like we don't have a lot of context for that, which is maybe what um, might come out of this uh, discussion about designing a, a dystopia. Um, you know, we might find. I mean, yeah, like like getting I a handle goal, on any of this. So you and I are basically trying to do a plus work on designing a dystopia on purpose. Yes, exactly. Okay, so this is like a big research project, and at the end, we're going to have a business plan for the best dystopia ever. Yes, exactly. Like, if you want to have yeah. the best dystopia, because I would argue that we live in probably the dumbest dystopia. I wish I could credit right. the person that came up with this. I believe, um, I do want to uh, give props to um, the person that I found out about it from. There's this woman, Chrissy Stroop, um, and she is on Twitter at C underscore Stroop, S-T-R-O-O-P. Um, and she's a... Uh, she writes a lot of um, work about... A lot of her novels and her... Not novels. They're like... Uh, she writes a lot of papers and things about um, the Christian right and the problems with the church and all of the sort of things that they've been up to um uh -huh. i follow her on twitter and i think she's she always has very very good things to say um and so i had first heard about the concept of the dumbest dystopia from her i'm not sure if she originated it or not but uh -huh. anyway i do want to make sure i give her credit for that but i do really love the concept of like we're living in the dumbest dystopia because we really are it's not um it's not like we're living in a dystopia where it was like, well, this is really hard and we've been oppressed by some like, you know, awful leadership or whatever. It's like we we self-elected an idiot. Well, it, here's the other thing. And this may be something that I've said on the podcast or it may be something that we've just had come up in conversations m multiple times for sure. Yeah. Is that the fact that we are currently in 2020 at the tail end of a four-year term of a president yeah. who was sort of the harbinger of the end for most people. He was like, seeing Donald Trump get elected was a moment in time after which people were never the same, right. people who disagree with him being the president. Yep. For me, the frustrating thing, and I think for you also, is that you and I are oftentimes people who see the warning signs of these things much, 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 much earlier. Right. Than the general public, and and in fact, a lot earlier than a lot of people were even close to in our lives. And so we sound like Cassandras a lot of the time. Sure. Or we sound like, I don't think anything either one of us says is complete, com 
particularly conspiratorial like we're not conspiracy no no i don't think there's some like like, cabal of people that are like and now we're gonna elect donald i mean some people are like we're gonna try and get him elected for sure but um i don't believe the fact that yeah anyway right the conditions that permitted us to get to the point where he was even a, a remotely outside viable candidate yeah those conditions are things that you and i pay attention to and so for us him getting elected was not the start of us worrying it was the culmination of all of the things that we've watched happening right. up till now right it was the the air of permissibility around a personality like that being given the highest authority in the legal branch of government in America. Right. And his outright disregard for the truth, like this postmodern attitude that marks the entire presidency, that truth is whatever you say it is, and presidential is whatever a president does. A president is the president, there go thereby everything he does is presidential. Right, like, right. That is not <clears throat> that's not sound logic, right. first of all. Right. Um and shit does matter. Like you can let the you can let the wheels come off of a thing, and it will coast for a really long time. Sometimes, like yeah. something like the United, it'll coast for a long time, seemingly on track. Right. Um, and when you realize that the number of things that are actually off track has accumulated to the point where it starts to become visible and cracks start to appear and oh gee whiz there aren't masks for everybody and the fucking supply chain at Walmart's falling apart because of like. Yeah. A, uh, frankly a pandemic that's terrible but it could be considerably worse like this should be manageable within our our resources and and our abilities like uh these are all the things that you see coming down the pike and you try to tell people about and people don't want to hear it because they've still got their one marshmallow right yep and they're like i'm not going to eat it now but i have it so that's proof that there's yeah. another one and so for me, like, we've had, you know, conversations about dismantling police and prisons. I'm a prison abolitionist. I'm a police abolitionist. Right. I don't think we need either of those things to have a functional society that's safe at all. I think those things create a more dysfunctional society and a dystopia. Um, the fact that our, <clears throat> the fact that we have a massive amount of people in prison compared to the number of people who live in the United States versus the rest of the world, we have like 5% of the world's population and like most of the people in jail. Right. It's fucked it, up. On the, on the face of the planet. It's so, so, and then, and then when you look at who's in jail, to me, this looks like very much a slow motion genocide. It's removing specific people and specific cultures from the culture at large. From the worst part is like how how it's this like systematic <clears throat> disenfranchisement of like entire populations of people. But check this out, though. I mean, that's not the worst part. That's just another problem. Doesn't even go far enough. Like you're right, but I feel like the language of disenfranchisement yeah. doesn't quite cover it. No, you're like, right. I mean, it's worse. It's worse than that. I shouldn't have said the worst yeah. thing is. It, one of the problems is that it includes this disenfranchisement where you are basically stripped of your rights as a citizen. Like you're no longer a ci- right. citizen. You're just a prisoner of the state. <clears throat> uh, so, well, you're removed from society. Yes. And yeah. if you're removing from society, that in its way is a social death and so to me that constitutes a social genocide when you're specifically removing specific hereditary qualities of people from the population if you're in if you're letting if if you are in america as a white supremacist Mm -hmm. and you put white people at the top and you arrest and detain and imprison people who are not white 
because they're not white and you do it in greater numbers than you do white people, that to me is just slow motion genocide. Right. And in fact, like when you look at the fascism that happened in Europe in the 40s and 30s, yeah. I feel like America kind of looked at that and they were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why are you killing all those people off so quickly? You could be like making them make cheese in jail that you sell at Whole Foods for $9 a pound or right. like $9 a quarter pound or whatever. Right. Like it seems to me like we took something that was one of the most hideous things that ever happened mm-hmm. on a human scale because it was industrialized murder. Right. And we just stretched that process out 30 fucking years. Right. So instead of people dying right away, they're dying over time in jail and the whole time they're being made to produce things for the rest of us that we don't realize we're buying from prison labor, from slavery. Right. Like for me, calling it disenfranchisement is a lie because it suggests that people have been temporarily removed from society when in fact it's not temporary at all. Well, no, I like when I, yes. And I think when I bring up the dis, this disenfranchisement, um, I mean that that is one aspect that is permanent when you're yeah. um, that even when you're no longer in jail, you're no longer a voting uh, citizen. Right. You've lost your right to vote, um, which to that me is quintessentially a big part of it. It's like even a human you, right. In a, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it like assuming that we're trying to create a democracy. So with that in mind, I would argue that really what we're talking about is that um, to design a good dystopia, you need some kind of formalized um, imprisonment system. Yes. Or enslavement. You need a place to put people who don't follow the program that you've set out for them. Yes. In a way that basically, you know, um, yeah. And I think... And how you deal with them has to be recursive. So in other words, you can't just getting rid of somebody in a dystopia is very short sighted because you're eliminating a human resource that could be doing something to support your dystopia, even if they don't want to. Right, right. Um, So when you imprison people, you've got to do it in some kind of like labor camp or some kind of concentration camp or something like that, because if you don't, you're failing to utilize a resource. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Um. So I think slavery is a part of dystopia. Okay, let me write that down. Um, slavery. Slavery. Big time. Uh, what else? Um, I think that uh, bodily autonomy has to be very strictly curtailed. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, which I believe like culminates in thought police, right? So yes, um, yeah, those are I think those are kind of critical components. Um, I I think so. I mean, we're kind of pushing up against an hour, um, so I'm kind of wondering yeah. if um, what we should do is uh call this a good first round of like discussion this is a good first round we've yeah. got some talking points so he, let me reiterate real yes. quick before we finish what 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 ground we've covered so far yes please do we've decided that the difference between a utopia and a dystopia might not be all that great and that's probably because they're diametric opposites of each other so they're really the same thing right right um, they haven't moved that far away from any any real grounding um, right. They're not all that different. It's just this and not this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is like so boring. Yeah. Um, 
we've decided that it's in general it's a race to the bottom and that might makes right yep um we're going to look into the dumbest dystopia from chrissy stroop because that's really interesting yes so uh so i i started a numbered list um number one yep. fierce competition for potentially ever decreasing resources is like central to a dystopia yes uh, might makes right is central. That's number two. Yep. Number three, there are thought police and state control. Yes. Number four, uh, humans are treated as resources rather than individuals. Yep. Number five, there has to be some kind of a publicly, socially, legally acceptable soporific that allows people to have just enough relief from their daily existence that they're willing to keep going. Yes. Right. Um, slavery is essential to the continuation and the uh, like underlying Right. logistical structure of the society yep. and bodily autonomy <clears throat> is completely out of the question and there will absolutely be thought police right yes so we've got seven kind of like we've ironed out seven things that we think are essential to its dystopia yes and um to a good like designing a good one we need to have those components and then i think we can also right. um as we kind of go through these next couple weeks and we discuss it more uh hopefully what we'll be able to do is like kind of really narrow down on what um, each one of those ideals looks like um, yes. how they're both how they work together in order to support a, like a solid dystopia. One thing I was kind of I, I think I glossed over um, was just the idea of what um, whether what qualifies a dystopia as a better one than another. So I would argue that right. the question becomes, is it a stable situation where it kind of, it, it in theory would continue in perpetuity or is it something that is um, sort of moving towards some logical conclusion, whether that's like sort of the self, like the self-destruction of the society or um, like, I think, uh, you know, we're going to have to set it apart somehow. Yeah. Like every good utopia is set apart from, the other things that are not utopias yes by uh uh you know you draw a circle around the population and yep. you say of these people who live in the utopia these people do this these people do that this right. is the role everybody has to have people have to sacrifice because of the greater good yeah but look at everything inside the walls is better than everything outside and so it's worth it right right I, it seems like there has to be like even when you read um like plato's republic it's yeah. like it, the whole thing is an argument that doesn't bear on any like actual real things going on in the world. It's like, okay, so in this hypothetical city, like literally everything is defined from scratch. Okay, sure. There is a city. Yeah. What we mean by city is this. Inside of that city, there are people who counts as a person is this. Like, And so from the top to the bottom in that case, like literally everything is defined because it is there is no example of that utopia where we can see. And so we have to start out designing it from scratch. Right. Otherwise we'd already be living in it. Right. Right. So I suspect that like our dystopic sort of process is going to have to follow the same. We're going to have to define everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, and I think it's great. It is great. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We love projects like this. <laughs> right. Exactly. And an abstract process that's totally exhaustive about something that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Done. Up. Sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> that's all I'm going to do for the next two weeks. Let's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's make a podcast about that. Um, 
Uh-huh. Okay. So yeah, like we have to let people know too that like we're trying to design the best dystopia and how a dystopia is the best dystopia it can be is by meeting these like requirements. Yes. Yeah. And it's not that we actually want to live in this place. We're just saying if you're going to make it dystopia, just be a fucking overachiever about it already. Right. Don't be so dumb about it. <laughs> Don't be so dumb about it. <laughs> uh okay so um yeah designing uh designing dystopias uh or designing dystopia that will be um that's this one that you just listened to and do you have um a uh what's it called do you have a um oh a tip for living well in hell yes i think like these are just coping mechanisms for dystopias really the tips for living well in hell yeah That's, that's all it is okay um let's see uh I think that realizing which dystopia you live in as like you, whoever you are listening to this right now, you probably live in a series of overlapping dystopias. Um, Like if you belong to an organized religion that overlaps and is at odds with the dystopia that you live in as a participant of society in America at times. And also it's at odds or is misaligned with things that you may have as your personal values and neither one of those things line up with your personal values very well or like uh, so my point is um there's like there's a lot you're co-located in a bunch of different dystopias right now right we all are right we're co-located in in these weird overlapping venn diagram areas of concern um one of them that everybody's struggling with right now is the fact that there's like no money and people don't have jobs and how we're going to pay for food and shit like that is becoming a real like a, a real unavoidable question. Yep. And right now the fucking feds are like, hey, you deserve money, but way less than we gave last time. And so it's we live in a situation where a there is no money to give. Um, right. Because all of it has become hypothetical and the wealth that we've generated is all hypothetical and it has been funneled upward and concentrated in amounts and with people who don't actually provide anything for the rest of us. Right. And right. so my specific tip for navigating the dystopia that we find ourselves in on August 11th, 2020 is your value is not tied to however much money we all agree to pretend is in the world right now. Right. And that is real easy to say. It's much harder to like both believe that, feel it, and live in that existence because everything is pressing you to feel or to to represent that value that they're trying to put upon you because you're managed as a human resource, right? Um, Whether you're working or not, you are. Whether you're working or not, right? Yep. Yep. So you are not a human resource. You're you're human. Money is an abstract thing that was developed to make people who raise chickens somehow equitable or measurable against people who raise cows and people who hammer hammers on an anvil like these disparate things that don't make sense we create a common made-up thing that unites them all that makes one of them equivalent to something else and something else and all all of that boils down to ways of trading things and information that become easier but that doesn't actually have anything to do with your worth as a human being and there's plenty of us myself included who have a lot of really unique and important skills some of which i've picked up from lived experience and some of which i've paid a lot of money to acquire and all of them make me 
better at helping other people and making life less miserable on the ground for people. And that's a good thing. Um, it's not well paid. No, it's not. Um, and so my worth as a human is not, it's for me to associate my worth as a human as tied to like some bank account number or a, a volume of dollars that I have or what people are willing to trade me in dollars for my work is just, it's so dehumanizing that I, it's so such a low number and it's so dehumanizing compared to the amount of work that I do and the type of repercussions that my work does yeah. that it just, I can't focus on it or it becomes overwhelming and hopeless. And so my advice to other people in the same position or in a similar position is that um, we've, been taught everything about where we grew up reinforces the idea that the more money you make, the more valuable you are. And that is not fucking true. It's just a, it's, it's not even a malicious lie. It's just a lie. It's just factually inaccurate. It's not an actual representation. It's all extremely subjective. So if you're running out of money right now, just, I don't know, know that how we've been doing it isn't, the right way of doing it either and so yeah I, that's a really cold comfort i guess uh i don't have a lot of opportunity oper- or uh, uh optimistic things to say about that right now i mean it is a dystopia podcast after all yeah yeah but it's that uh, your personal failing is not the reason you don't have money right now put it that way yes yeah <laughs> yep yeah um, Those things do not correlate. So yeah, I mean, I, don't know. I think what um, you're kind of, you know, be kind to yourself and realize like you are doing the best you can, and um, this is not, this isn't on you. Um, yeah, like that and doesn't that doesn't you? put food on the table, and it doesn't fix maybe the personal stress and nightmare that you're going through. But no, um, don't add to it by um, feeling like you should have done something different. If if anything else, like if you're the type of person who responds well to people giving you permission to do things i'm uh, let me be that voice in the dark right i'm giving you permission not to give a shit about how much somebody paid you and whether that means you're a good person or not yeah even if it's temporary even if it's just for the amount of time that you're listening to the sound of my voice i'm giving you permission not to give a fuck about whether or not you're worth it. Right. It's it's a bad way to think about yourself and it's a bad way to think about other people if you're the type of person who pays other people. Like it's just a shitty shitty way to go. So you you're the dollar sign by your name is not equivalent to your worth. Right. And finding ways that you can express your humanity um and be helpful to other people that don't necessarily involve making or spending money on them are really important things to do. And it's recursive. It's reflective. So when you do something good for somebody else, it's also a good for you. Just like how violence is recursive, an act of violence towards someone else always comes back on yourself, no matter how much you think it doesn't. And so um, there are ways to be a really heavy contributor to the human experience without having money come into that. Right. And I think those things right now are like super important. Yeah. Yep. For surviving whatever the fuck we're going through. And I think it's going to be a really long time. Like, I think part of why right now is super painful for people is because ever since March, we, our plan for dealing with the multiple crises that we are faced with is to simply continue to exist in crisis mode until the crisis is over. Right. 
that's that's the plan. It's not a plan, is, but yeah. fu- that's fucking crazy. Right. It's crazy. And so people are feeling really upset right now because I don't think that they realize that, well, this is not like the new normal. In fact, like quit, quit saying that we're still in like day one of crisis mode. We're still just like acting like yes. we're responding to the fact that a crisis just showed up. Yeah. And so like when you work in a crisis and you move through it and you deal with crisis management, your job as a person who understands the big picture and a, and a, someone who's trying to work on making things better is to remove yourself and others from the crisis right. and move on to the next stage of crisis management. And we have a country have squarely decided we are not interested in fucking doing that. Yeah, We're just going to park in crisis. We're parked in crisis. We're not moving the crisis car. This is just crisis time. And so what happens when you operate in an extended period of crisis is that you burn out. Yep. And yeah. that's what's happening. Yep. Our economy is burning out. People's mental health is burning out. Yeah, exactly. Your ability to care for your kids is burning out. Yep. There's an entire generation of people who are just not going to be educated. Yeah. It's sad. Uh, like... And all of this, I'm not saying this because it's an I told you so. I'm saying this because I want to like acknowledge these things and give you the permission to feel shitty about them and realize that like no amount of money or security that you thought you worked for up to this point could have possibly solved this problem. Right. And just keep going. Like our ability to get knocked down and get up again and go like, well, that sucked. What am I left with? How can I put it to use? And to do that over and over and over again is going to be key to us actually like making it through this thing. Yeah. And it's okay if it feels exhausting because it is. It is. It's totally exhausting. This is not a good situation to be in. And we're just going to have to keep going and respond accordingly as we go. I don't have any. I have no roadmap for this. No. I just have knock down feel appropriately bad about it but get up and like keep moving forward whatever that looks like and just be open to whatever that looks like don't stop stop thinking about things being valuable in terms of money anymore exactly yep exactly um okay well thank you for listening i don't know how that sums up into a tip but I, it's fine it doesn't you know i mean we have rigid it's not important it doesn't this matter. podcast is very rigid the for, it's very formulaic we write all these scripts out we stick to them. Super we fascist never podcast. Off. Yeah, super fascist. <laughs> okay. We're just going to rename ourselves the super fascist podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks for listening. <sighs> Wash your hands. For wear a mask. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Be safe. Don't, don't panic. Panicking never helps anything. Yeah. That's what I'm reduced to. But, don't panic. But do forgive yourself if you do. Just try to, you know. Yeah. Try to get through it. All right. Okay. okay. Great job, everybody. Yep. Good job. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Just turn my recorder.